with One-Eyed Willie is available on Apple's podcast app or wherever you go to get your podcast. So 15 to Through My Eyes with One-Eyed Willie and today we have my grandfather, Mr. Willie James White. Um, here we go. We're going to start it off. Um, could you start off by letting the people know who don't know, who may not know you. Could you start off by telling them what your name is? where you're from and what year you were born. Uh, my name is Willie J. White, Bone and Mexican, 12-18-32. 12-18-32, so you've been here since uh, 1932, huh? Right. How has it been for you since you've been here since 1932? Well, it has been some good days and some bad days. Early part of my life, a little bit rough. Uh, you know, all the time, you say you come up without a father. Uh, not but a mother, it's kind of rough, but it's, it's, it's uh, when I was born. That is too bad then. Um, at that time, when it was 10 of us, and family, my dad is daddy, mm -hmm. and with nobody but my mama. With ten years of children, we now one of them but the big method. And our, we had to try to make it on our own. But one thing about it, which was always was taught, said so if you pray to God, you stay together. So we was able to band ourselves together from our mama to the least one. Mm -hmm. And then we were able to make it through this, this that day of time. Although the people around us hope us a whole lot because my mama was sick and my, my sister wasn't old enough. She was one year older than I was. And we didn't have no kind of income. And so uh, my mama was done Washington Island for people. And that was the only the money we had coming in. And after she got sick, we had to come in. And um, people got around, I don't know just who it was. Red night they called it commodity, but back then they called it the relief. And they put us on relief and they give us some everything like flour meal. But all of it was plain. And that sister mine, she was one year older than I was. And she had to cook that. And uh, she was so small. We had to put a chip with a bit up and talk and stuff. And she had to sleep. And uh, you know just by how you back then, it was plain flour and plain meal. And she had to fix it up so we could eat. And they give us 
all kind of beans and mm -hmm. rice and different things. That's how we made it. We didn't have one. Didn't have a whole lot. Good hot plum rice. Uh-huh. But stay together. He'll keep you together. Keep you together. And we was able to make it. So you speak about your father passing away. Um, before we get into your father passing away, could you tell me what your father and your mother's name were, and what they did, what they did when they were growing up? When you were a child, what did you see? What did you see your mother and father doing as their job? Well, my mother, when I was growing up, she would do washing, okay, and ironing for white people, and uh, that's the little money we had coming in. But she got sick. My daddy, he would be in this book, with that sawmill and then a wool summer load. That's what he, what he did. And what was your father and mother's name? My father's name was Tom White. Okay. My mother's name was Mary Ann White. Okay. And were they both from Mexi, Alabama? Both. Uh, it was. It, well, we were saying Mexi. My dad was in Mexi, but my mama was in Hickson. Okay. All of that is in Monroe. It's still part of Monroe. Yeah. Okay. And you also mentioned your brothers and sisters. You said that you had a sister that was one year older than you. How yeah. many siblings did you have all together? Uh, uh, it had to be Frida and, and Duke. And, and that's not good. Uh, Cloud. Cloud. That was my older sister. Okay. Cloud. My sister was Cloud. Uh -huh. And the next one was Eddie, and the next one was Freezer, and the next one was Maverick. What about, did you have any brothers, or are they just all sisters? No, but that's sisters. That was your sisters? What about Aiden. your brothers? Brother of all, one of my wall of white, Ellis white, Charlie white. Okay. Me and me, and then Steve. And so where did you fall? Were you did you fall amongst the youngest or more towards the uh or were you the oldest or did you fall flo flo closer to the youngest? I fall close to the next youngest boy. Okay, to the next youngest boy. Okay. Um during you you mentioned that your father passed away. How did your father pass away? What is the story around your father passing away? Well, my father he was uh they told me after this, after I got up, big enough to learn what was happening at the time when he got killed. I really didn't know what was happening okay. and what it was. But as he got up and got killed back then, we was on the farm. And more than just one family, black family. And all of them was working for this man. And um, this year, uh, he made it enough money on cotton and stuff to build him a new house. And so he let my daddy pay the old house. Okay. And the white man, he wanted the house, but he let my daddy head. And so he took all the illness, madness out on my daddy. And so he never did meet one of them, but he went to the store. And I said to get grocery. And uh, at that time, I did, I couldn't go to some older three brothers. Went with him. And that time, they didn't lie. Children in the store. And so they were across the highway from the store. My dad went in there and said, got to get grocery. And this man would wanted to hide and come out the door. 
He kicked him. He kicked him hard enough to knock a box. A box uh, go get uh, go all stars out of that part. And so they told me my daddy didn't quit walking. He kept the grocery on then told through my three older brother, the kid home. He was going back and see a white man kick. And when he went back, the man said, Tone, I didn't mean no home, but if you don't like it, and around the knife all the way through the stone. A Swiss blade knife. And my daddy got his knife out, they said hit it with his knife and he hit the stoto. Broke his knife out the river and went all the way back. The next time he hit the man, white man, knocked him up in the stove itself. Knocked the heater down. And so my daddy got him on him like he thought he was stabbing him, but his blade his knife was just bending back. And the other white folk come and got him up on him. But the meanwhile, uh, my dad was going to Mexico to the stove. And they, they tell me he always kept a little something in his hand. And uh, on the way to the stove, a white man on the buggy come by riding and told his wife to hold the mule. He gonna get off and keep this nigga's ass. And so when his feet hit the ground, he said, my dad always kept a little something in his hand. So when his feet hit the ground, my dad cracked across the head of his hand and knocked him out. And when, now when he got cut, stabbed, they took him to the hospital and the head doctor there was Dr. Carl. And he found out that when my dad was the one who knocked the sign in the head of the sign. And so he wouldn't wait on me. Okay. He stabbed him in the stomach and he was bleeding on the inside. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't wait on until he had to go eat supper. And he went on home and he said, when he come back, my dad would buy a lid. So was this doctor at Monroe County Hospital? But this time the hospital was interrupted. Okay. Oh, right. It was at Monroe Hospital in Monroe I don't think, but it was interrupted. And let me be honest, still sitting there today. Okay. So the guy who ended up stabbing your father, the, did the police, anybody bring any charges against him? Was he ever arrested? No charges. No charges at all? So at that time, your father passes away. It is you, your brothers and sisters, and your mother at the house. And from then, that's when you said it wasn't too much coming in, right? Right. So from there, what did you all, what did you all do, band together, and start doing to make ends meet? Well, the only way we could do it, the oldest one, the oldest one, my brother, if somebody drone let him come to the field with him like hoeing cotton, like that. He couldn't go by himself, he had to be on the them. And uh, he had, you know, Pete Cotton, like they said, and every time we get old enough, we go to the field. And then, uh, that's the only way we made it, by being on the relief too. <laughs> And uh, when it come time to go to school, we didn't have nothing, no clothes. Uh -huh. uh, I was going to school and I always tried to be, but didn't have, didn't have nothing. And uh, I got to the school one day and they got a little warm and the teacher told everybody to take the coat off. And I know when I left home, my shirt, 
didn't have no backing, but nothing there was a cop. And I said, Cold on, I couldn't tell you, I don't go. And the teacher realized something, and she told me, sir, you don't have to take your coat off. And that's all the thing she said, Lord, he probably was going to laugh at that. I kept laughing. Kept your coat on. <laughs> yeah. We were, well, you were the, at that time, you didn't have a lunchroom. Uh-huh. You'd go to school, and parents might make you give you a bottle of biscuit, something you didn't have left off on break. And uh, that's what you took to school. And sometimes you get the smell it's so good, you eat it up before you get to the school. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we didn't have water. They had a well there. And now, uh, you could let the bucket down, I mean, you grow the water up. It had weaker tails in water for one thing. So we had to drink it, but the old folk brought a cloth down there and put it on the thing. You put the cloth over the thing like this beer and pour the water in and it'll kiss the one and the bucket up the cup. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up education. I wanted to ask, um, during those times, how important was education and going to school for you and your family after your father had passed away and your brothers, or you, your brothers and sisters, have to step up to the plate and make ends meet? How important was getting an education and going to school? Well, yeah, I'm part of we go to school or something, and then it would come part for us to go to school and try to get what we could get. But every time one of us got old enough to do a day's work, you come out of school. Okay. And uh, you had to get out in the field, you know, but somebody was helping. And that's when we kept growing, kept coming. Every, all the family had to sit together and help one another. And the main thing too on the weekend, we go to people's house. They know we didn't have nothing to show them to play. Our mama would tell us that when they go to eat dinner, y'all come home. Because you know, she knows they didn't have nothing to that we didn't have nothing. Mm -hmm. But she let her go there and play. Until what they said, y'all come and eat. And she told us when they said that, y'all yeah, get up, y'all come home. And so how, so how far along did you get in school before you had to come home and step, start helping your brothers and sisters in the field? Well, I made it up to about 10 years old. And uh, I, I did a white man uh, farm for him, mm -hmm. a client of me. And uh, he would, I hate to go there like 7 o'clock in the morning. I, I could go to school from, uh, from the, when it started to, to, to the summer. After the summer, you had to come out and go to the field. And that wasn't it started with July, something like that. Mm -hmm. And September, something like that. That's where I could go mostly, and all those, that's where we could go because when school was out, you went in the field, cut corn knock down corn stalk with a stick so that people could fly, you could fly. And uh, that's where we stayed. We, we never did get up. Within about two months more, we got out of school. And we had to come out, but we wanted to learn, and we did learn mm -hmm. pretty good enough to, to get through. 
So at that time, how much were you getting paid to go work on this guy's farm? Well, my older brother, they were started twice ago. When I started, he was paying me at the center of the day. Mm. That's from sun up to sundown. That's the center of the day. Did that 50 cent go along with me back at that time? <laughs> didn't go too far. <laughs> didn't go too far. <laughs> right, I didn't think so. I didn't think the 50 cent went too far. That was, that was our life. Mm -hmm. So your mother, did your mother and father also uh, till the land and farm? Is that where you learned how to do all of that from? Well, see, we couldn't do that because we didn't have nothing by no mules or, mm -hmm. or no plows or nothing with. So we wait like that for the big people to wipe us so we could God when we made enough money to, to, to get some land to, you know, rent it. Then my mama scrapped up and know some kind of a bottle of you got some fire. And we went in for ourselves. Mm -hmm. And um, we were doing pretty good in ourselves, but we were making that much. Because there wasn't rent to no land, we didn't have no land. Mm -hmm. On the land we could use is what they didn't want to do, you know. And uh, that's what we made back up. We didn't have no house. And uh, on the main place, if we didn't do his, get his stuff pushed, you had to move. Mm -hmm. And we had to move out every year. Yeah, by the time you get settled down, go to the field and wait the end of that year, you had to move. Yeah, and we finally waked up till we got over and got with we built a house. And it wasn't much of a house because the limo with the people cut down on solo to make cross type of railroad. Don't slab to cut off the level up the limo that's what we used to build a house with. And when we got the high view with that, then we got put the cost on top paper. That's the only thing that keeps the wind from blowing the lamp out on the table. Put it around the house, that's the way we live. Until we, uh, we grow on the farm, we got bigger. But when the bad thing come over, we ain't got pretty good. The white man, when they had the big farm, brought to the Lord, as he called it. He um, asked my mama about, had a 20 acre field. And actually, did she want to do it on half? And so she did it on half. We had a little patch of cotton rye, but we didn't have that much. And it was 22 acres. We called ourselves done it on half. We had to do all the horn, all the chopping, all the picking. He did all the flying. And we had to do all the picking and killing it to the gin. Mm -hmm. And that year, had that got big, they were getting $200 a bale. And we on that land, that year we made 22 bales of cotton. But we were doing it on half. And the people would come and help pick it. That come out of our head. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. And so <laughs> when the end of the year come, we had a, a word we always said. Talk yourself, you can look about it, you can get a book. All of a sudden, all, all is the all, and figures are figures. Oh, for the white man and none for the nigga. <laughs> <laughs> that was y'all saying this. So y'all said, so so you already know what it was going to be. Right. And so when I got up, I was 16 years old. And I, 
So when you guys are working in the field, were, were you all picking crops or were you all picking cotton at that time? Well, we did cotton. What we did was pick cotton and grow cotton. Okay. People didn't have no tractors back then. We were waiting. And uh, about three or four get together to go to the man field. Mm-hmm. And you went get two rolls in the middle of the road and heat grow out of Throw the cone on the ground. Then they come back and get the wagon and the mule. You had to pick the back up, put on the way. Then you get up there, you got to take it off the way and put it in the crib. Handle it all on time. You got to handle it. That's too many times to handle it. The same cone, and that's that's the way we made it. Now, you said that if you you all had a saying, but you all couldn't say it too loud because if if you all were heard, um, they would give you a whooping. Was that was that your mother giving you a whooping for saying that, or was it for the guy who owned the land? The man, well. If you were children, uh-huh. it was your pound. But what he did, he would stay there till they whooped you. They got to whoop you till he thought it was enough. Mm. 
Well, so was that was was slavery still going on at that time, or had it ended at that time? Slavery put briefly off the bank in that time. They called it the Ku Klux. Mm-hmm. The Ku Klux Klan. And yeah, and if you would get a put a slash or doing something, staying out in the evening late, uh, they'll tell you to come in and whoop you that night, and they would come back to your house, grab you out, and they beat the devil out. So, so the Ku Klux Klan was it? It was were they well and alive during the time in Monroeville, Alabama? They were well alive. They first couldn't go to Monroe till on Saturday evening, and by both sundown you had to be out of Monroe because they had a Ku Klux standing on all corners of the courthouse. And if you were black, you had to be out of Monroe for it to get dark. Why, why? Why was that? They just didn't want you guys inside of the city limits. That, that's the most you in town. And and why you up there? If I met you on the street, I couldn't stop and talk to you. They had a police walking the street, and the kids like stand up talking. You gonna come over there and make you start moving or leave out of my road? You couldn't stop and talk to nobody. Mm, that's crazy during those times. So you were born in you said you were born in the uh in the nineteen thirties, right? Thirty two. Thirty two. So in the sixties we got the civil rights movement going on. Would you say you're in your late twenties during this time? We older You was older than that? Yeah, yeah. Um was probably what your early thirties then? I guess we were somewhere around here. In your thirties, how was how was it during those times during the civil rights movement here in Monroeville, and then what you all would see or hear on the radio or t- television? Well, it was just kind of crazy. What you see if you go to Monroe and you had a ten cent store, there. most black would go because they get that a little cheap, but they had like the water fountain. They had color and white, and you could get some there, let you drink some water out that side, but you been not test the white side. But no one place in Monroe, you could go in and eat. All the places you go to, they had a side one that you ordered there, had another one. But after the civil rights broke out, I was one the first. Haven got old coffee and Haven got a job assembly. And now I've killed the people around. All of them, the NAACP, had me meeting, and I was one of the first chums. Actually, I got to be the treasurer. Okay. And uh, they said they were going to go and march around the street in Monroe. I went up there and I had my car. I take the people up, and they told us to pay by check. Some of them had a check, you know. They make them out. And when we get through, they wouldn't, they wouldn't take no check. And that when the law come and get you, they put you in jail. Mm. Because they wouldn't take a check. Only reason they wanted to pay for a check. Then they could care back to later. What they did, they doing this for. And get them, and they would charge you back then. Hamburger might have been 50 cents. They would charge you four dollars, and you had to pay your cash. If you didn't, 
And then they'll call the law and the law come pick you up and take you to jail. Yeah, yeah, you couldn't do that. They gonna take you to jail. Mm, and you couldn't, you know, they couldn't go in there. You mm. couldn't go in there. And they gonna give you credit. They let you know you wasn't welcome. One thing that we always hear about, uh, about the state of Alabama is the uh, Montgomery bus boycott. Um, how important was that Montgomery bus, but how important was the Montgomery um, bus boycott at that time because I mean it really did a lot of things um, from the things that I read uh, that bus it showed those individuals who owned the bus system that hey we won't if you guys don't want us to ride the bus and give us equal rights we won't ride your bus we're gonna stop and we're gonna take ourselves we're gonna we're gonna switch it up and change it up how important was that during that time well we did written in hell nothing but political pace the rider, but we were marching, and uh, what happened after we went so long, then they went to farm and just bang about you. Then they disappeared, so we thought it cool. And we had this march from Selma to Montgomery, mm -hmm. and that's when the civil rights come in. I don't think they really, they didn't do no way right. But the main thing about it, the whole thing, we figured out that the officer would come out there, the police officer thing, and arrest you. The FBI would come and climb them down, but we find out the FBI wouldn't come out until they gonna beat you pretty good. Then they drive up like they just get in there and stop them, like they know what was going on all the time. So it wasn't no way you get out without getting a whooping or get killed. Mm, mm, it was mm. tough. That was, yeah, that, that was tough. So did you did you attend the um, march from Selma to Montgomery? I never was in the march because I lived from him by. Okay. Uh, we was uh, like church going people. And uh, we, when I get out of church, they were having the march in Selma. I would, me and my wife would go to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you couldn't get nowhere close to it then. Way back off the road, you could not see it. Back. Oh, okay. Okay, so you brought up your wife, which is which leads me into this. Um, where did you meet your wife at? Oh, I met my wife at church. Okay. What was the name of the church that you all were going to at that time? New Chapel Baptist Church, still going to. So it's still New Chapel from back in the way. Yeah, was that when you met Grandma? Uh, oh, oh. I don't know that, but we, I forgot how many years we were been married. Mm -hmm. But they were moved him good with me before we got married. She would call somebody and I would call somebody. And so we got all tangled up there. So we knew <laughs> <laughs> I wind up with her. Okay. But it was seven years after they moved him. So was she from Mexi, Alabama as well? No, no she was from over there. Thank you, boo. Okay. How, so how far was that from where you where you lived at? Uh, it's about, I ran 30 miles or more over there. 30 miles or more? But you all went to church together? You No, no they was had a church in their town. Oh, they had a church in their town? Uh, and we had one in Mexico. Okay. And they was over there in so I think it was. Now, where the faith was. 
Yeah, Finchburg. Yeah, Okay. Um, how how long did um how long did you all court before getting married? <laughs> well, it was pretty good little while. So I started dating her. I messed around and got my oldest daughter, and so they said we're gonna put you in jail. And uh, I was calling another girl. And she was calling another boy. But you know how y'all do that sometimes. <laughs> 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 I look out across that and he wind up marrying another girl and I wind up marrying his girlfriend. Okay. <laughs> was he mad with you? <laughs> was he mad at you, her boy, her other boyfriend? Uh, no, because uh, he did what still in Mexico. Uh -huh. He left and went to Panama City. Okay. And so he left her up here, so that gave me a chance. So you, uh, you, you had your oldest daughter with, uh, with, with grandma. Um, how many other kids did you end up having? Uh, we had six. So you had six kids? Uh, three boys. Mm-hmm. Three girls and three Okay, three boys and three girls. And what are their names? Oh, uh, Willie, Alvin. Bobby, Patricia, Larry, and Shaba. Okay. So you had three boys and three girls, and at that time, um, at that time, what were you doing? You were still, you were still working. Um, uh, not that bad. Uh, I still bad. Uh, not the bad. Uh, 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 no, at that time I was not the near me. I have never went to Vanderbilt again. I was still working at the Vanderbilt where I started. Okay. Making us. They had no rate for 50 cents an hour to 75 cents an hour. Oh, 75 cents an hour. I thought I was going to get rich then when you said 75 cents an hour. So, um, huh? Gravel pit. That was a gravel pit? No, that was done for me. And hit shit down, and I went to gravel pit, pumping mm -hmm. gravel, not the ground. I went there looking for a job. Here. They cut down head children, then they took away somewhere. And uh, people from real cold weather. And uh, I learned how to pump the gravel. And the, I did how they went there, and they already were done, and the man who was there pumping, he laid off for money. One Monday, one way to come away. So I went to wait in the van. Hey, because I can run the pump. I said, Yeah, I can run it. And so I went out there and run it. He liked it. And so when the other fella come back to me, he sent it back home. So I had a job. But it, wasn't a, it was a good job, and I went in the bay. In the summertime, it was nice because you could stay in the water. We didn't have to wear no clothes. And we wake out there, the naked. And go, we know I died there, but girl, I was over the whole thing. And I had four more black boys with me. Mm -hmm. And I was the pump. I, I was taking care of the man. The bald man, he'd be up there to the house. But he wouldn't ever come behind me. He lived in whiskey. And he would get there every morning, go send one of the boys to get him a pound of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and he told me to just take care of it. He showed me how to feed the gravel. People come there buying it. And then a three, oh, like a truck, I think it's five feet, four feet wide. 
He said, well, God is like that level with gravel saying, that's a yard, one feet deep. That's a yard. Okay. And now that's the way he would do it. We, we go to the fella, come there, you wouldn't know who would be. He'd be drunk. <laughs> and we took care of all of this money. Give him his money and tell him what we sold. He never come down there. But that sometimes the, the bad part about it. One time, you had to wear clothes. Mm. I was a pumper. And they had a pump pulled up out there in the water. Didn't have no way to get out there but walk a six inch pipe. And that strong was on that pipe. <laughs> and it was a slipping place. And you get out there by halfway, your feet are on the side, boom, in the water. <laughs> and you're talking about cold. The man come out and told me one day, well, it's too cold. Go back home. I said, Ooh. I got a bunch of children there. I got six other children there. I can't go home. I got the bread. I get me a big old truck tie. Mm -hmm. Set it on fire. And them pipes come up in that water. I get in that water, put them back together, and get out to the fire. If I'd be so hot, you can't turn around. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we get a couple of back on. Summertime never really. Something felt good in the summertime working out there. So you brought up Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair was a uh, last place. It was one of the last places you worked. So Vanity Fair was a real big corporation here um, down in Monroeville, Alabama at the time, right? Oh yeah. What did Vanity Fair make? What did you do at Vanity Fair, and what did they make there? Well, I first started out on a pharmacy man this, and then after Marvin came. I started. They had put black inside. Okay. Before them, you were no black wig inside of Vanity Fair. And so, you kind of met a black boy before they did me. And so, he told me that couldn't strain tying up the clothes. He said he couldn't allow to strain up, but he was only black in the man. And he said the white boy get a strain he talked, they clothed with. And he said, he run out. They had some cut, he got some of that. And they got mad and got at And he run them all over that mill and they had to take him to the, he went crazy. Mm -hmm. They took him to the mobile to the crazy house for, for a couple of weeks. And while he was gone, they had to hide me inside sweeping the floor. I couldn't go in until four in the evening. When all the white people, women's in the summer's here to play, they'd be gone, and I'd go in at 4 o'clock in the evening time, and the mob would sweep up, clean up there. And the ball man come through there, the plant man, Bill Mill, and I asked him for a job inside where the white football were making money. And he, he, he told me, what you want to do? Show them boys in there, you ain't scared of them? I said, no, man, I got a big family. I need to make more money I'm making. I can't take care of my family like that. And he said, we'll see about it. And uh, I never did talk to nobody. Made my face was the worst stuff I know how to do. And uh, he put me in there. And my boss, man, he put me on the back of the train. And with a, with a white boy. And uh, we would kiss the clothes, right, wrap it up, tie it up, kid, put them in the back. 
on the frame broke down. And the bowman come and got me. So I ain't bought a paper. It wasn't but a nickel, but a newspaper couldn't read it no way. But I bought a little white boy, come to that cell, I bought a paper. And the white boy, I hit him, was sitting down reading the paper. And the bald man come back and told me, Will you go up front and help them people up there? I ain't never been up front, I ain't done nothing to do. <laughs> I didn't know what clothes. <laughs> and I, I got up, when I, before I got up there good, one of the fellas who were putting the clothes, he hollered, Hey, I'm the only black in that lot. Come over here and help us pull this goddamn clothes. Who that got all over me? I said, hey, I said, too many of you son of a bitch to tell me that's the last I could. Some fella Nick went up like, like, uh, turkey. When I said that, everything said we are quit. No, <laughs> you be up in the wrong time. I didn't really mean to do it. <laughs> I did go to the man, let the boy, little boy, when I'm here, to stay back there and sit down. And told me to go up there and go to way with them. I, I, I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. And so, ooh, everything said that your leg went up like church. As soon as you said that? I didn't do that. I just went on. You just way. went in there. Also, when you walked in, they, that's when everybody started looking like, what yeah. are you doing well, in there? Well, the man, it worked that one though. He And so, he didn't say that there. I didn't say that How long did you end up working uh, for Vanity Fair? Oh, I didn't know. It was... 38. 38 years? 38 years. 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 And say so you can retire now because I hadn't gotten into it with a lot of them. But the man was on the mill, right? Leave. What's his name? Quietly. Quietly. He owned the mill. And the fellow was, they didn't, I was running the frame. They didn't want to give me a raise. I'm on the slowest frame in there. And the old man come down there and said, Who run them over fabric? Gonna get a raise. Well, no use for me getting in the raise if I'm on the slow of frame down. Mm -hmm. and so I just been paying no attention to the week like I've been wet. And uh, meanwhile, now while I'm doing that, all the other frames, six frames in there, all of them had a help on the front. When I went to work and got to be the farm over the frame, they took my help away. Mm. And then look for me to run my fabric. They did. They, they pull that fabric in there, sometimes over a thousand pounds. You pull them in there by yourself, hook it up, thread it up. You had a man make it finish for all the frame. And um, they stopped him from making the finish for my frame. You make your own finish. And so I told him, I said, now, now wait for me to run. run. Yeah, but my favorite is they run, because I got to do everything, so he got no help. Well, you got to do, you just got to wait. So that's what we're going to do.
Just went on hand about your business. You had to improvise, uh, go hand and work, and continue uh, doing what you had to do. We got on real good. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to stop me. What they couldn't ruin, nobody could ruin. Man up front, the town come down there and tell me, Willie, can you run that badge of cloth? I said, Yeah, I can run it. Somebody else put on the beam. I can take it off. And so he went up there about three or four of them come down there with ties on. And my farmer supervised. He got up there on the frame with me. Right, there two, two sides to it, besides the wicked knob. And he went to wicked knob, they know nothing about the thing. Turning the knob, and I broke it in two. And the big man, the plant manager, come up there, well, I do think you can run the club. I said, yeah, I can run it, but the supervisor forget him, it's tennis somewhere, I don't need him up here. <laughs> and he told Wayne to go. And I threw it back up and then broke it, come on. And you had a thing back here, you had to keep it, come on with this one over here. But they went up together. This one over here, my fast one, this one, slow one, this cross by on the floor. He's gonna bring in two double bags, lap up the top, pop it in two. And you had to run this one the same speed you run that with no gauge speed on it. And you want to get to this one. I need to run down back in the So that's when I got to be pretty good. They probably like to run a plane. Okay. But they went there paying no money. So I can remember those. I can remember during those times coming down to Alabama for the summer. Um, man, Ursula would be there. Grandma would always fix your lunch before you went to work at Vanity Fair. You would still come home from Vanity Fair, but at the same time, you would still get up in the mornings, and you would also be out there in the field before the, before the sun came up. You would be out there working, doing everything you needed to do. Um, you still had the field, and you still worked at Vanity Fair? All right, I made that Vanity Fair for eight hours with swing shift, five to one, one to nine, and nine to five. And, um, I needed a house. I was staying with my mom. And I needed a house. And I went to ask the people what would come out building these houses for poor people. And they, I had all these children did. And I, I went up there and asked the man about building me one. And he said, how big you want it? And I told him, I said, I need at least five bedrooms. And bathroom, kitchen, den. He said, ooh, no. <laughs> so we, we ain't gonna build it and you can't build it. I said, I tell you what, I'm gonna show try. And you come over there and look at it. It's there. I build it, I couldn't read no more. But I know how long I wanted something like that. Take the mix. That's all you need to know. You know how you knew how big you wanted. It's big as I was measuring the tape. So back in this time, you you did not know how to read any of it, measure, do any of the construction work, but you still happened to build your house and several other houses. Oh, yeah. Um, the house that you built for yourself and the house that you built for your son are both of those houses still standing today? Yeah. Yeah. Is it so? This is the house that um, in Mexico, both of them in Mexico. Mexico, yeah. Okay, so both of those houses in Mexico, you built both of those houses. That's amazing. Well, I, I built houses all around Monroe, Frisco City, like that. 
until the people find out I was doing it. Plus, I was in that family family. <laughs> I couldn't live an hour there. But when I leave family family the daytime, I'm too shitting. Uh, from five when I think from five to one in the morning time. When I get off at one, I go home and start building housing. I did that with all the rest of them. And I didn't go into four o'clock in the evening. Well, I had all them on the way to about three o'clock. And the fellow asked me, said, when did you sleep? <laughs> I said, you old man, man, that I did, you want to sleep. <laughs> you don't get to sleep. <laughs> And I did that a lot. I got to, I got to pay for you when I paid for everything. How long did it take for you to pay for everything off? How long did you have to work to pay it all off? Well, that's how long was when I was retired. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had gotten into it with um, people were running bad clothes. When they come up with all this, they went to run in, in that clothes when I died. And finish right if you don't get the right finish. And you had to wait till the, uh, the, the frame had to be on the same group. And these boys were racing over it. So I went in there, I went in the race. They would start to frame him off before it got hot enough. And they hot enough, it wasn't going to dry the fabric just right. If it didn't dry just right, it wasn't going to die. And they messed up so much fabric. The man, Pennsylvania come down there while the leaf. And he wanted to know where the fabric was, because he got a thing too, where fabric got in. And they messed up so much, they got a great big old warehouse over there. And they were putting it over there in that warehouse. And so he come up with nobody telling. And uh, he finally got around to me. And uh, I told him, I, I can tell you, before he did that, he told all of us to come to the Band the staff house. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'm gonna be shot down in the house and finishing part. I want all y'all to come to the down there tomorrow. Because I got to find out where my family is, white fellow and tell And I I stood in the meeting till he was bending cold when nobody said me. And I held my hand on the head. Mr. Lee. Yeah, well, and you wanna know where your family? Well, what, what you think we're having to meet for? I said, well, I can tell you where it's at. Bottom of the Christmas. Where are y'all, man? My old folks was about to come out and I'm going to the last time. <laughs> I said, go over there in that big old tin house they got. I said, go over there in that tin house you my old. <laughs> he went over there. I made him come back for you and me. And uh, they, uh, he left me. And went on back and they had smoothed over everything that the meal from the front of the meal all the way to the back of my big meals over the meal sitting up there when I said. And uh, but they went there and sent them to me with the supervisor and the farmer, they tried to find me, but they didn't ever find me. Mm -hmm. And but uh, while they wrote a letter and give it to the mayor boy, which was my first first job. He had delivered the mail in the mail, and he wrote a letter saying, Willie White, not to be messed with by nobody at this meal. And he gave all the balls like one of them fellas that messed with me. <laughs> they didn't do nothing. And I, you know, I went right on to make it. They wouldn't find it. 
Every time Mr. Swider D come down, he gonna come up on the frame with me and ask me really what's going on. I said nothing I can't handle. I can't handle it. And uh, anyway, he left the man up front to hit man and let miss, miss. That was the last name, miss. He come down there and said, Willie, so you just don't <laughs> talk to Mr. Lee. I didn't go meet him. He would come and get on the frame with me. He said, you just don't talk to Mr. Lee. I give you any job in this real <laughs> And I, I had sense enough to know there were things I couldn't do back then. Mm-hmm. And I would ask him, I said, no, I didn't say, well, that's right. I didn't go nowhere. So you, I, I gave him so much trouble that day. Uh, he uh, come and asked me, the man up front coming down on the frame told me, so really you've been here long enough, you can retire. And so I send you the same money you make. Yeah, uh, you, you can go ahead and retire. And when he said, I send you the same money you make, and I said, well, I'll be a damn fool to wake on work. And I get I'll get the same money. Mm-hmm. I said, well, I know if I need something, I'll be teen, I'll be out of you gonna come back to see him? So when I walk out that door, I won't be back. <laughs> he was done. So you retired from Vanity Fair. After you retired from Vanity Fair, what did you uh, end up doing? After did you just work at? Did you stay at home and work home? Well, that's when I, I had even to get a tractor and out the farming land myself. Okay. And check I would get from them doing good. So um, one of uh, a big thing that Monroeville is known for is the whole story about To Kill a Mockingbird. Were you around when that whole trial took place? Yeah, I was around when that whole trial took place. I was just on the counter, the white, the thing like that, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, would, they would tell you about the young people. So the guy who was um, ended up going to jail, being arrested um, for charged for what did they charge him for? They say he raped the raped the one lady, or he did something to her. Did you did you know him? No, you never did know. I would never come up in no court. crazy back during those times um, I, I know it was crazy how how important was it when when Martin Luther King came around how important it was he to you guys it was really important because they didn't have enough black in there we couldn't drink out the water pond and uh, they had to take all of that down get all the black with there one bathroom to go in that was kind of rough. <laughs> so it was a 
Hey, are you a creative personality or a sports analyst who wants to record your own podcast for the world to hear? Well, let me tell you, Buzzsprout is the route you want to take. What they do is amazing, and I hate for you to miss out. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics on how people are listening, and tools to promote your episodes. Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform such as apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and more if you sign up for a pay plan you'll receive a 20 dollars amazon gift card which helps our show so hey what are you waiting for come on over and join a hundred thousand other podcasters who are already using buzzsprout to get their message out to the world Peace. And once the sad thing about it, that was my daddy and several other guys who put that name on the line and life on the line to get it done. And once they got it done and got the ruling, all these educated, so-called educated blacks in the city who didn't do anything, we went to a meeting and they said that uh, he didn't have enough education to run because the ones who did the orchestrated this getting changed should have been the first people to run for office. So they had this meeting to get people in line to run for office, and then they came out the woodworks telling them that you didn't have enough education to run. He had enough to get a change, but didn't have enough to run. And some of those people went ahead and ran and won. So had he had an opportunity to run, and I was at the meeting, I, I heard them well, and they said they, they didn't have enough education, so you shouldn't run. And so they went ahead and ran Charlie McCormick's man to step. Okay. He got to be elected to the county commission. And so, but he's deceased now. But, uh, but those positions should have went to the people who actually did the work. And they sat on the sidelines and didn't do anything. But when they got it done, then they jumped in there and took it for granted. Okay. They did, did all the hard work. Yeah, they okay. did the hard work. So they did the hard work. They took a chance on their life and their yeah. family life. Right. So they could have lost it all. Right. Right. Yeah. They threatened their houses, homes, and everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we get back into it. Y'all ready? Uh, all right. Okay. Okay. If you go back in that part, talk about uh, when they like when they when they were children and they walked the road and, and, and someone come and white people came along in the cars, they had to get in the ditch and get in the woods yeah. and hide because they would beat them. Couldn't let no car light shine on them. And then if, when they got up to a point where they could get a car, they couldn't. And Mr. So-and-so was driving slow on the road, you couldn't pass him. Because if you tried to get past him, they'd say, you know, you're showing out. Okay. okay. <laughs> and then they're hailing you for that. Right. And so, so, so even though you may have had an opportunity to buy a car, you still couldn't operate it freely. Now, if you go to, if you wake that man in the you couldn't buy no car. 
pay a couple bills make sure if you guys want to start a podcast you holler at us buzzsprout.com we can get you together they make sure that they can get your podcast on all major platforms so like we said in the commercial make sure that you get with buzzsprout.com get with us and we are back so um we talked about you working at Vanity Fair. We talked about the civil rights movement and how uh important Martin Luther King was. So I want to take it back to voting and how important voting was. Um during the time you did a lot of things in Monroe County to help the black vote be counted for. Could you detail what your job was or what what you did to help make these things happen? Well, my job didn't have too much, as I told you, education, but as well, I, I know I couldn't speak good like they could, and I was just a, only a helper well, in there. And from the beginning of the movement, civil rights movement, I was in the beginning of it, and I, I was there a long time, way after Cain got and uh, we uh, got a seven thing to wait for because we were, they were last to go in nowhere in Monroe in the cafe. Mm-hmm. You just said it to you after one. And now that we got so deep with the march, so we right, march and stuff. We gained, uh, we got the people together and so we decided we were going to go into the places. And uh, so we did, and I was the one driving the car to get on to it. Go in there, and we told them uh, paying for it, like, with a check. I don't know if you gonna give you a check. And they wouldn't take a check. You had to pay the cash money, then you're going to jail and put what you got. And all of that come down, and uh, we went, and then we saw you. At that time, the county was just kind of wide. We wanted to put it in both districts. Well, they in district. Okay, you wanted to switch it up yeah, to districts. District, no, oh. just one thing. So we formed the committee and all of us got in a meeting. Um, I was in it too, myself, in the beginning of everything. And they were had to go to Mobile to coat our jury down there. And uh, he slid it up what we had to do. I was going to write it up. And we had to come back. Before we could go back to him, he just wanted to have a chance to throw the district up. And uh, but 
then we had to show our district to them how we draw our milk. And they both show us they how they draw it up. Because we got got able to get to by district. And so us did it and showed them how, but they wouldn't just show us theirs. And so we went to Cold and Mobile, tell Cold down there. And he got in the seat before he got started. Then he wanted to know, see how he had the district grow up. And, and uh, they, went, they, went, they didn't have one, they didn't show us they district. Mm -hmm. And so when they when showed it to the judge, they ain't did what the judge said do. The judge dropped the meeting, said, won't be no meeting till y'all bring me and let them see what you got drunk on. And they argued a while, they said, Lord, then the judge said, well, if I allow y'all enough chance to take this thing and go out there and look at it, will y'all accept that? And uh, we said, yeah, because we had to go and coach my And uh, our man, the head man, Willie Frank Marshall, when I went out there to see it, he found out how he was sitting up in the county and he would have more votes, more people than the actual we had in my whole life. And so he wanted to ruin hood. I'm a lawyer told him before we started. All of y'all filing a complaint, you don't want to get run from that. Because they say you're going to have it made up. So you can run it with a friend. Margie, he went on and run. And the white people had showed up there. And so, but he had to look at that island, so he had more black people up there to vote for him. And so he just put himself, he was be the one that go to get it next. And so the jury wouldn't take that. And when they showed it to him, then he said, extra white, they wouldn't. They can help them. So if I let y'all look at days on for a few minutes, I still will we agree for that. And we said, yeah. Because what Frank know how it was. And so he went on and did it. And we had to pay him to three thousand dollars and we didn't have fifteen cents. <laughs> That's what we had to pay the lawyer. Three thousand dollars. So we come back home and we went to different churches and they were begging money. And we had, you know, paid money out of the And we raised the money. That raised the $3,000. Okay. And so we went back to Coca Mobile. And the, and the judge told us how they find it out. I will. He said, yeah, I'm going to make them pay for what y'all did. Cause they just y'all didn't have a chance, you know, to do it that right. You know, he didn't charge us nothing. And so we was in the in the district then. Then our lawyer told us who were filing the suit, no, either one of y'all run for nothing. Because they could have made up time. And we're praying hard to still up and run. Mm -hmm. And we already hated because the judge. They accepted the way it went and the way the boat was lined up. And then he went up and down run and that made another mess for us. 
Oh. And he didn't run and messed up everything. Cause some of the black voters put the fight right on. And uh, he was intimidated. He had more blacks than them, you know, the rest of the county. And he did that, so we Kind of mess it up. Um, during that time, helping, help voting, helping people to vote was kind of um, a risky thing to do. Was that a risk for you when you were taking these people, bringing them to the polling stations, or going to court and fighting for those rights? Was that risky for you uh, and everybody who was a part of that? No, why wasn't a part of that? You go to a meeting or somewhere and having a meeting, you might get shot or anything. Mm -hmm. But uh, we never did get into that in Monroe. But uh, we had several meetings up there to the courthouse with them ourselves. And uh, we had one that were the biggest warehouse stores in Monroe then. Bound the hardware. And when we got ready to start the meeting, <clears throat> people, the first one got up and said, I want to know what in the hell you damn niggas want. And the man was in our thing, he was racist, claiming how many black he was going to stop fuck. And I said, No, no, don't you answer, let me answer. He had one of the worst in the year, you damn nigga want. And I said, Mr. Bowman, we want the same thing you want. And that's the money, new housing, clothes. Say what you want, that's what we want. <laughs> he said, I'm so amazing. But in order to struggle, you must know how to tell. Always take the low seat. Because you there, because you're. And the next big thing, when they hit the district, when I went in the courthouse, all of us <clears throat> had to sign how before we went in school. I didn't go to no school. There was nothing else to say. <clears throat> when they got around to me, they said, where the hell before you get in school? I had teaching, freaking up there. I said, I didn't go to no school. Oh, boy, all the low, he went to write the people over again. And the morning when the guy started asking questions, he threw me up there the first time. And I, we were done in all the kind of how the boat was and how the house and the floors and things did. And then he said, well, I can tell you where a road is. Nobody live on it but five and it ain't paid. I said, yeah, and I can tell you where the road was ill, and I can tell you why they ain't been paid. And when they looked at one another, I said that, they always go, I'm going to get out, we don't want to ask you no question. <laughs> they went ask me no more question. And uh, that's, the, that's the way it went out. But we, we, we still were able to get the district and got, I think it was two of them, two, two. Okay, so you ended up being able to get it. That's a good thing. That's 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 major for you and everything that you all did at that time. But we had to take a lot of risks for mm -hmm. getting all kind of thing happening to you. Did you get? Did you? Did you? Did you all receive any threats? Huh? Did you all receive any threats for doing this? 
Did they threaten your life or want to do anything, do any harm, cause any harm? In the road, just like sometimes you be driving, coming home. That way they did me one day. I was coming from Monroe, and the man in the truck got ahead of me. And when I got out there, he went wrong about two five. I go to pass him, he'd come over my side. <clears throat> and now uh, I get back behind him, he went speed up. And finally got where I had to turn off, he stayed on the side. And I went upside there and turned off, and he stopped the car with me. And Oh, I said, thank you, that I stopped mine. And I, me and him swapped wood. He had a gun, I didn't have no gun, so I know to be. That's what I took went on home. But they would get you back there. But he just, he wouldn't drive fast and wouldn't let me pass him. Every time I go to pass him, he cut over there. Mm. And that's right there, all the time I got down there, about turn off there. And I don't know why he stopped. He pulled over and stopped, and I pulled over and stopped too. Me and him had a few words. And I know I didn't have no gun. And so I took up and took off and went to the house. Got up out of that situation. Yeah. Um, we just recently they removed they released a movie called Just Mercy, and it's about the case of the uh, the girl who was murdered in the laundry mat. I want to say it was in the in the mid to late eighties. Yeah. Um, and they all they always mention that they bring up Sheriff Tate. Who was Sheriff Tate to the city of Monroeville? He was a high sheriff. Okay. Was he a good sheriff for the for for the city? Did he did he do things by the book, or was it kind of how how was his opera? How did he operate? Yeah, well, I, I, he he didn't operate not for the black faith. Uh huh. But uh, I did ask him to hit a meeting because he was running for sheriff. And when we had the meeting, I asked him first, and I was the you know, president at that time of the organization. I asked him what was he going to do about the fellow bringing the dope in Monroe County. And he sat up there with all of us and said, I ain't going to do nothing. He said, what am I going to do? I'm going to catch all these little boys that run around selling. And if I catch them, and stop them, then the big man will have to move on to Monroe. He can't move drop nothing now, but he said he wasn't going to do to the big man. He's going to let it go and sell what he wants. And then you know them well, it's always going to be some black boy they going to win. They going to sell. And so that's what we did. He said, what he told us. Mm-hmm. And so he never did quit this. That's what we going to do. So his time as, as sheriff, did it get any better? Did he can just continue to do things that were just not in the favor of the black community? He didn't get no better. About the same thing. Mm-hmm. It was more, just a more when you retired as it was when he was done. There were several big things he did, but right, but that's something else. Okay. Right. Did he, after he retired, somebody else came on board? Were they a little bit better? Well, the one in it now, I think he's a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, Pope, right? And I said, thank you. But, but I never had this really had a conversation with him. Okay. But I've been in place the way he was there at real now. Okay. So we, let's, lighten the, let's lighten the conversation up a little bit. Um... 
you are also now you also in the church, heavy in the church. But I remember coming down and maybe on the weekends you and the guys would go out and you would sing. Oh yeah. You guys were like a traveling group. Oh, what was the name of your group? Southern Travelers. Southern Travelers. Mm-hmm. And what were you? Were you a lead singer? Did you did you play an instrument? What did you do in the group? I was lead, and and and, and I didn't play music. I just lead. You just lead singing. I, I was a lead singer. Okay. How long did you do that? Oh, I think it's for some. Still sing. Like you still do you? So do you still do you still sing? Is the is the is the gang still together? Or have they dismantled? No, all of them died with me. All of them passed away with you. Yeah, all of them died. Okay. Well, okay. So when you guys would go out and you guys would do your and, and you would travel and you would sing, what was one of your favorite songs to sing that people love to hear from the from the Southern Travelers? Well, Southern Travelers, I most of us in there could be. Uh huh. But most of the people favorite my lead, and I. They would get up. And uh, my song was about Christianity, what a wonderful God healed. That was your song that you would always sing? Uh, yeah, and then Jesus keep me there to come. So that that song, can you you wanna give us a little you wanna give give us a little bit of <laughs> a little taste of your your singing of your favorite song? You don't gotta do the whole song, you wanna give us a little oh, taste of one? What a wonderful God. So you still like to sing and do your thing, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. we still sing. Do it all. Oh, God, it's dead, but man, that's you know, good. Sing by myself, but I think some of the different songs, solos, and stuff. Quite a good song. 
So you did just sinking for 60 years, or has it been 60 years and counting still, yeah, huh? 60 years of singing and counting. That's good. That's a good thing to hear. That's a good thing to hear. So um, we've had you on the show. We talked a lot. We learned about your history, about you growing up. We learned about what you did as a teenager with helping your mother, brothers and sisters, and stepping up to the plate and growing into being a man. And then you, we talked about your family. You, you met your wife. You had your children. And you went on ahead to work and you lived a great life. Um, is there anything here else that you would like to mention or anything that we may have forgot to talk about that's important that you want to let the people know? I know the only thing I do know I really had to keep my hand to the plow and I could never run off in no trouble. Because I turned doing stuff like that. Because I just didn't have no money. I had six other children. Making that little money was kind of tough. Sent them to school, buying girls, and wife and wicked. And that's about what made it. Made it happen. We made it. Everything was good. The only thing what I like to say about the family, they didn't ever give me no trouble. I had six health kids and never had to go to no jail and never got into nothing. That's good. And so that's just the way it was. And so we we made it. What is something what is something, some advice that you can give to this new generation with everything that's going on? I mean, because if you think about it, um, you guys were fighting in your era. Your kids they saw the same things in their era. Mm -hmm. We see, we're seeing the things in our era, and now I have kids, and they're seeing the things. What is some advice that you think that you could give to the individuals out here today? Because we're still seeing a lot of these cases going on. We still see a lot of social injustice. Um, still see a lot of racism out here. Are there any advice or any things that you think that we could do? <clears throat> My advice would be the same thing I taught my children. Anything they chose, leave it alone. Don't get out there with your car at home. They want them got a car. So don't get out there and come out and get my wheel. If you do wear out your towels and things, I'm not going to help, help you get it. Now, if you don't take care of it, then you don't know. And so, that seems a way to it because most of them finally got chance I hope and get the car. Mm -hmm. And they did about that. I can't remember. Neither one of them getting a ticket for driving wrong no more inside the city limit. They got a speed ticket, which if you're driving over 40, you know, they get a speed ticket. But never got a speed ticket out there to my racing and nothing like that. But they got something right inside the city. So I mean they have a nice program on that. That's good. Raised them right. They didn't get into too much trouble. Um, they all went on to do a lot of great things. Yeah. Um, they're still doing a lot of great things. Um, so there we have it, y'all. We just had Mr. Willie James White 
on through my eyes with one eye willy i thought that it would be cool to kind of bring one of these stories in um that's one of the things that we're doing right now we always talk about share black stories so this is one of the real black stories from years and years ago as you can see he was born in 1932 um he lived through the times prior to the civil rights movement through the civil rights movement he went on to see barack obama become one of our first black presidents um and he still sees some of the injustices that we have going on today with Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, um, and a lot of countless other individuals. So I hope you guys can listen to this podcast, take some gems from this podcast, um, and just learn a little things about what my grandfather went through coming up, the things that he had to do. As you can see, he built his own homes. He built his son's own home. He didn't get too for he. 10 years old so if you're 10 years old you guys do the math and you tell me what grade you what grade that is um as he said stated he did not know how to read any of the measurements but he knew how big he wanted his home he knew how many rooms he wanted in his home and how many restrooms he had and how many restrooms he wanted there too so that goes to show you that when you guys put your mind to things and you continue to work and you continue to persevere for things that you want that these things can happen no matter what no matter what is going on and as you all know we're from Monroeville Alabama um to kill a mockingbird, just mercy. You guys see the things that are going on. You heard the stories that he shared and the things that they went through. Um, as a people, we still face these things today. And these are the things that we talk about that we are trying to erase these things and move forward as a people. Um, so please take this in, soak this information up, um, and let me know what you guys think about it again. This is episode 15 on Through My Eyes With One Eye Willie. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, let me know what you think, and we'll get back to it. Peace. There we go. Through My Eyes with One-Eyed Willie is available on Apple's podcast app or wherever you go to get your podcast.